0: Welcome back everyone to the podcast. Today we'll be diving into chapter six, the head, finding your crucible. Uh, first, I wanna really read the little uh, poetry section at the beginning of the chapter. It says, look, they said, you have gotta get out of your head. Little did they know that your head was the sanctuary for your heart and your superpower. I like that because it's, it's like, we're really going to bring it all together, uh, between the heart, uh, it seems like your habits and the head, bring it all together and we're going to see what comes out of it. Um, so yeah, the head is a very important component. Um, some people might say that we should have gone with the head first Uh, Why did you decide to go with it last between the head, the heart, habits? That's a really good question.
1: The reason I decided to go with the head last is because this is the one thing in this framework which is somewhat in your control. The heart, if if you recall, is about deep listening to what already exists. So you're not willing something into existence you're really trying to uncover what's already there similarly the habit also is uncovering what's already there and working with it the head is the one area where you get to create your stand saying i'm going to work in this area i'm going to give my life to this domain or at least for the next decade or so it's not easy to change the head either but but it is something that you do It is something where you will build distinctions, you will build knowledge, expertise and serve the world in that container. So that's why I'm calling it your crucible. Crucible is an interesting word. It's a container where you melt metals with intense heat. And so this is where the heat of life comes in, melts everything you have to produce something remarkable. And that's how I see the head. This is where, in a sense, your life's work will live. And your heart, if your heart is not being leveraged, if your heart is not getting to express itself in the head, it will feel empty, real meaningless kind of empty, not full kind of empty, right? And, and the habit must be leveraged as a superpower in your crucible, in your head. That's the work. How do you do that in such a way that you're honoring your full self? So that's that's really about reinventing the eyes with which we look at our work.
0: Mm, I see. Very, very, very important. Um, You know, I found this chapter especially interesting because it sort of uh, almost broke the the framework in, in some ways, because it begins with an anti-hero story. I remember reading from the last chapter and I was like, where's my anti-hero story. (laughs) But, (laughs) but for this one, um, you know, it starts out with actually, actually quite a long, um, story, but it's also very important. Um, uh, for our listening audience, do you mind, uh, paraphrasing just a little bit of the story for them? Um, Wow. Yeah, this, so, yeah, go ahead.
1: Yeah, happy to. So this is a pretty counterculture story, as counterculture as it gets. Because if, if you think about most uh, Eastern stories, you will see the primacy of monastics in in giving wisdom. And this is counterculture because the wisdom is not coming from a monk. It's actually coming from a householder and going to a monk and it is about what is virtue. So this monk is meditating in the forest and is disturbed because of some crane poop and landing on his head and so he gets very angry and unbeknownst to him, he has developed certain powers. His his hatred or his anger towards the bird immediately kills the bird. So he, he knows something weird has happened here but he doesn't think too much of it, and he goes off to, um, to to beg for alms, which is what monks do. And then a householder keeps him waiting, and he gets very, very angry with the, with the lady of the house. But she, unknown to him, can read his mind and calls him out for his anger and his violence with the bird, and uh, gives him a lesson. And he's shocked and then she says well you want a deeper lesson go go to this village and you'll find a virtuous butcher he will be your teacher and this is again extremely counterculture, right you know monks generally are associated with uh, avoiding meat and here uh, a butcher is going to give him a lesson in what is virtue this is as counter-culture as it gets and you can see why it fits with the theme of this book because we have made it a habit to judge the exterior if you look around, we have very uh, good shortcuts in our mind that, oh, if you're doing this, you must be a bad person. Oh, if you're doing that, you're a fallen person. And and the butcher story tells us it's not that easy to judge. Somebody on the exterior may be doing what seems questionable to you, but you need to look a little bit deeper. And you might find that they're bringing very sacred values into the space, if only you looked. So that's that's it's a very very powerful story about
0: work, and how you want to examine your work. And and I I, I really love this story, especially um, uh, toward the end, what it was ta- saying um on page one eighty, it says in the and then in the grand finale of this utterly counterculture culture story, the butcher counseled Koshika. Your aged parents have been suffering greatly since you left them abruptly to pursue monastic life. They are now blind with grief and have no one to take care of them. Meritorious action for you would be to renounce monastic life and go back to care for them as long as they are alive. Your monastic studies will not bear fruit in the face of the great suffering you have caused in them. Cause she saw the truth in these words thank the butcher for guiding him and hasten home. I was like, wow that, that is actually very interesting because it kind of goes back to that nobility where it's like well he's a monk. Um, think about all the things that he is he is sacrificing. Um, he is giving up a lot of the self he is he's doing so much um, for a noble cause but at the same time it's like the butcher, which most people would say, you know, that's not a noble profession. <laughs> he has these wise words for the monk. And I, I, I just love how it kind of turned things on it, on its head. A little bit down, it says, it forces us to question our blanket assumptions about professions. This story highlights that the profession of a butcher can be a crucible for the values that connect the butcher uniquely to life. It also shows the other side that a noble or spiritual or mer- meritorious profession like being a monk might drain us of aliveness and value if it isn't truly aligned with our heart. And that that is great because it doesn't matter what profession someone is in, you could find uh, what you need out of it. Or you could be in a noble profession um, very much like your... Uh, your friend that was dealing with, um, was it hunger? I believe it was, um, uh, and poverty and talking about like, you know, is this truly your, is this truly what you value or is it something that is a little more refined? Um, so I, I think this is a beautiful story and I encourage like all, all our listeners to really take another look at it. Um, On uh, 182, it says, what space might you co-opt and turn into a container for the song of life itself? What space might you create of your own and say, this is where I make my stand? Wow. So that is good. Um, Yeah, so just like with the heart, we're going to be getting into mapping your head value. Do you mind um, telling the listeners uh, why it's very important um. To, to really pay attention to the mapping your head value.
1: So if you
0: are not clear what, where you're making your home,
1: then there is nothing to give yourself to. And it is very important to understand this because if there's nothing to give yourself to, you can't build anything. You have to commit. You have, you know, going back to the Tagore poem of I, that, Hey, you know, the rose is beautiful in the, in the color of your consciousness, so to speak, a C word. So, and that's because the rose is committed to a certain form. And so what is that form that you are going to commit to very narrow and very specific. And if you don't commit, you don't have a chance at beauty. You don't have a chance at expressing your heart's value and, or leveraging your habit as a superpower. So where are you gonna do that? And if you don't have a head value figured out, you can almost think of yourself as a ghost, right? You've got all these aspirations, but no body in which to carry them out. So how do we human beings uh, avoid becoming ghosts? We, We have to find a body to inhabit. And that body of work, that body of distinctions is what I mean by the head value, that this is the space which i am going to offer myself to and receive you know as a as a gift and this is where i will give my gifts and share my gifts with the world that's why it's so important to to discover
0: Hmm. and and just like you did with heart and habit values you suggest that people journal in a reflective space as they um they really explore this uh, mapping their head value. Um, you said you have a few suggested questions that they can pick from and to pick the one that they like best. I'll read these questions so people can, um, explore them. Uh, number one, what have you, what have you earned the right to teach a class on or write a book about? And what, for example, in what professional area or intersection of areas are you an expert What professional area are you passionate about? In what profession have you published or given conference presentations? Number two, what is a space-creating professional distinction that uniquely describes your work? Number three, what distinction can you declare as a profession or work that you will bring into existence? Number four, what profession beckons to you naturally? as something you want to grow into and make your unique contribution. Number five, what distinction describes a body of work that will allow you to honor your heart and habit? And before we, we get into um, the the principles themselves in the test, um, I really like these questions because it, it really goes back to what occurs in someone naturally. Um, for example, even going back to the first question, what have you earned the right to teach a class on? That that actually may have nothing to do with uh, someone's job per se. That might even go back to um, a hobby or something that you know they find that they really love, and perhaps that's something to explore. Someone could be like a you know a broker or something, but when they get home, what really makes them smile is baking. And it's like you know maybe there's something there in the baking that you can explore. Maybe there's a way uh, to find <laughs> to to marriage the two that um, we're not thinking about creatively. So I, I love I really love how you um, brought it right back to work as well. Um, and what distinction describes a body of work that will allow you to honor your heart and habit? In your experience helping people um, find their values whether it's through the heart the habit and the head Um, at this point in their evaluations are they even talking about the paycheck being important at this point usually when we've done the inquiry of the heart and the habit
1: people are what i have found is people are really interested in discovering discovering that body of work that will that will light their boat you know it's like that will make them feel that they're coming alive so the paycheck is extremely important but that's not generally the way to go in the sense that if you find those who are highly regarded as experts you find that they're not doing what they're doing because they want the paycheck it's almost like they love what they do and they're so committed to whatever body of work they're doing they they truly love it they've surrendered completely to that space that you know when you go to them you are going to be taken care of in a way that very few other people can can compete in a sense or can can improve upon and that's when you're you're very grateful to pay whatever this person needs to put food on their table so that's a very different way of thinking about compensation it's it's like I'm so grateful that you have surrendered to these distinctions or are or, or committed to these distinctions, committed to this body of work that makes my life better. So I, I have uh, gratitude to anybody who has surrendered to uh, a space and uh, surrender is not the right word, has embraced a space and become the space where the work will unfold, where something beautiful will be created. And that's true. Wherever you look, like experts bring that joy out in you. That oh my god, I would I can listen to this person for hours, given how deep they've gone, because I I I value that depth. Every human being values some kind of depth in some spaces, right? We want to learn. We we thrive with learning. So it's kind of a roundabout way of answering. And at this point of the conversation, if people have been uh, really pursuing that this inquiry, then compensation is hopefully is not the top thing on your mind and in fact that's kind of a warning of this book i'm not saying that just because you become an expert in something you're going to make a lot of money in fact there's a warning which says you may not and you may stop caring about it to the detriment of those who depend on you and you yourself so be very careful Uh, and having said that you know i have generally found that if you find something truly amazing your heart goes out to it then you're generally okay people other people take care of you we're, we're not in a world where um, everyone is uh, blind you know, people can see that you know you find a great baker in your neighborhood you that person doesn't have to say too much you know you go to that person's shop because you know they've done amazing work and, and they have great bread for you or great desserts or whatever it is that you know that they do so yeah, sorry, a long-winded answer. I, I don't know. Does that get to your question?
0: Oh yeah, no, yeah, that definitely answered it. it it's almost like um, it's almost like what they what they value um, speaks for itself. Uh, it it doesn't have to uh, come through the form of uh, money, uh, things of that nature. It, it, you know, and it kind of gets into principle number one, where it says you have earned the right. Uh, The head value is something that you have to earn with your hard work. It can initially be a declaration of intent, but for it to really stand, you have to shape it over time. This is your body of work that you have come to know and love. You could change it with your will, but such changes are slow as you will have to build up a new body of distinctions to make it stand. Um, So, I mean, even going back to the example of the neighborhood baker, uh, if that neighborhood bakers to the point where everyone knows about, uh, their baked goods, that means that they, they earn the right to, to be declared, uh, you know, like the neighborhood baker. That means like at some point that person went beyond even their personal kitchen and decided to take a chance, let people try it. Maybe they perfected a recipe. Um, you know, like, it, it took some time. Um, even if it's, even if it was just starting out as a hobby or something that they, maybe it's not their job, but they, they basically became an expert of sorts down the line. Um, Alphorism 6.0 says, listen for the home you have already made. And that is your head value. That's, that's a good and then principle number two says you are drawn to it. So, again, it goes back to that natural uh, feeling where it's like you're, you're going to you're gonna be drawn to it almost like it doesn't really matter. Um, it's almost like the hobby chooses you. You don't choose your hobby. I don't know of someone being like, you know what, I'm going to take up fishing because I think that is something that I should do. I, I've never heard of <laughs> so someone choosing their hobby in such a way and then sticking with it. And they're like, "Yeah, I, I don't love it, but this is my hobby." For example, and and hobbies do to me at least it seems has like a certain habit to it. Is there any is there anything with that? Like when we're talking about habits and hobbies you know that's kind of interesting if you look at the uh, story
1: connected to principle two it's about devon and he had a lot of hobbies he was a physiotherapist uh amateur physiotherapist a biologist and a trainer and and these are great wonderful hobbies and so then it becomes a little bit tricky like what do you declare as your head and we had that conversation that looked if you were, if you're going to say this is it, I can give my life to being a biologist or a physiotherapist or a trainer, then let's make that the head. But if you are not prepared to take that plunge, right? Then, then ask yourself, is that the one? And the and the only one that Devon really could give himself to in that way was cloud data architecture. So, so it was very interesting that before he was expressing. And this comes later on in the chalk chapter. And he was expressing himself a little bit all over the place, and after he got really clear on who he or what he wants to stand for, it became much more punchy and powerful. So, so I would say that yeah, if you 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 know, the habits and hobbies are not necessarily interlinked, although they may give you a clue. Uh, Devin's habit was as a tinkerer. And so he, he was a very creative, he is a very creative person. And, and maybe that took him to all these other side things where he could think around and learn, that may be the case, but it's a bit of a distraction in discovering the head. Head is, where has he spent decades of his life earning the chops where if he comes in the room and he talks about cloud data architecture, everybody else shuts up because he knows what he's talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Where have you earned the right? Because you have given the years, uh, you have done your 50 push-ups to to earn the right to speak about something. That's the head. Mm. And, right? And and if you haven't, the, the second aphorism talks about, well, maybe there's something that beckons you, which means you have to give yourself to it at least for some period of time and be willing to commit to it and grow in it. So that is that is what we're talking about. So this this there is some space here to shape it in a way that you like but but make no mistake whatever you pick the next decade of your life that's where your 50
0: push-ups every day are going to be in you're not you're not gonna just uh yeah you're not <laughs> right i see what you're saying um and, and it, it kind of goes back into principle three as well where it says your habit is legitimized um A good head value is one where the habit shows up as a superpower and not as a liability. In Devin's Devin's example earlier, we note that his habit of being a tinkerer can show up as being prone to distraction and a liability if all he has to do is execute on someone else's will. However, by looking at himself as an architect, he has created the space to allow himself to tinker. All great architects must tinker and are rewarded for it for these are the people who allow others to focus. Um, and it goes to uh, aphorism 6.2, where it says, arrival of the head value makes your habit value a superpower. So it it, it kind of like um, <clears throat> really shows itself uh, in positive ways. Um, and so those are the three main principles that really define um, if you are finding your head value, is there anything else that the listeners should know when it comes to those principles?
1: No, I think I think the third one is really important that legitimacy of your habit is 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 something to think about. Some habits, if they're in the wrong headspace, trip you up and they will prevent success. while so so, for instance, John's story here, John is a person who, was declaring himself as a product leader in human systems and he has this habit of asking innumerable questions he is always seeking a diversity of perspectives so if you uh, put him in a position where he's got to get stuff done and instead he's just asking so many questions of other people he's going to be seen as a, a thinker not a doer and he'll be dinged for it but if he is in a position of power or leadership where he's improving everybody else's work, then his ability to, to ask questions is a huge asset. Those are the questions that everybody needs to think about. So product leadership is much better for him than say program management or even engineering. It's like, uh, at some point, some of these other disciplines require you to accept and move on and, and build something with, with what you've been told. And product leaders are constantly asking the question, why? Why am I doing what I'm doing? And should I be doing something different? So, so to the extent that, that that attribute of product leadership is legitimized, wherever he's working, his habit will show up as an asset. So that's that's the work here. That if you if you deploy the habit in, in a space where it's not respected or legitimized, it's a like kill crash and burn. So it's it's very important and hopefully wise to to reflect on that, and and make sure that other people know that hey, if I if I come in with this energy, this habit energy, you know, is it
0: welcome? And if it's not welcome, I'm not the right person for this space. Mm. Yeah, and, um, and and that's why it gets very important that people test uh, whether, you know, this really is part of the head or not. Um, test number one says prosaic, not inspirational. The phrasing of your head value should be prosaic and not, an inspira- not inspirational. It gets its numinosity because it allows you to connect with your heart value. If there is emotional content in the head value, then you must dig deeper and perhaps consider moving the emotional content to your heart value. What What would be like a good example of someone passing that first test. So, so for instance, if Devon had
1: said, beautiful architecture or something like that, right? That is very emotional in content. Whereas if he picks cloud data architecture, that's that's kind of emotion neutral. Now it becomes spe- special to him because that's where he's making his home. But if you were to see a book titled Cloud Data Architecture, be like, huh, whatever. Okay, maybe I'm interested, maybe I'm not. Right. But when you pick that up, what you're getting from Devin is this idea of beautiful spaces that he's creating. That's his heart value. And and his habit is tinker, so he's going to use it to full effect in doing great cloud data architecture. So so that's an example where the head value is very prosaic, almost dull. And it should be that because... That's what you're signing up for. That's what you print on your business card. Okay, cloud data architecture or your, your your top or your book. It's a body of distinctions. The emotion comes in it from the heart value. So when people are signing up, you're not, you're not selling them on some airy-fairy stuff. It's a pretty concrete set of distinctions, body of work. But through it, through that narrow container, they're going to feel the beauty of the spaces you're creating that's what devon's doing right and similarly for john when he says human systems it sounds like a professional discipline but when they get engaged with it they realize what it's really about is alive groups i mean that's amazing so so it's a it's it's kind of i'm just i'm just going to invite people to test that out that call your space you know in a prosaic sense give it a prosaic name and keep the emotional content, give it its own respect. That's your heart value. And that's almost kind of hidden. Like it's, it's for you to know, and it's for you to train people on your team or let everybody know this is what you stand for on the heart side, what you're giving. But what the world will see is really the head. They're coming in there, they're signing up. It's like, I need bread, right? So I will go look for a baker or a bakery. Now the, that baker may have a heart value of delighting customers or making amazing, you know, uh, amazingly wondrous cakes or whatever it is, but that's not what I'm looking for on Yelp. On Yelp, I'm looking for a bakery. <laughs> and so similarly, if I if I need a cloud data architect, uh, when I search cloud data architecture, a name needs to come up. That's why it needs to be prosaic. Okay, yeah, this is this is, the, this is the top I need to go to because I want to learn about this.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, <clears throat> if I'm understanding it correctly, it's almost like uh, someone's heart could be into um, someone's heart could be into something um, beautiful or something um, you know that they really enjoy, but it's not going to be a really a marriage to the head value unless it comes out very clearly like the execution, the execution is, is, is almost, um, streamlined. It's almost, there, there's a almost mechanical component to it. Um, it's not going to be like everyone flocks to everyone flocks to me simply because I'm in love with something. Like There's, exactly. there's, more, to it. there's exactly. more to it than that.
1: That's a really great way of putting it. Like, what are you doing for them? What's the body of work? And the head is really saying, let's put the focus on the work. And in, in a sense, it also is bigger than that, because if you look at aphorism 6.3, it says neutral it is, for then it can receive the fullness of meaning from the heart value. If it's injecting something else, then it doesn't have the full space to receive the heart. So, you, so there are multiple reasons to keep it, keep
0: it prosaic. I like that. And, and, and it, it gets into test number two as well, uh, clarity on strategy. Because it says the head value should give some clear strategic direction that reduces your set of alternatives. Devin isn't going to seek out regular software engineering jobs. He is only focused on cloud data architecture jobs. John isn't going to apply for generic product management roles. He is going to focus on product management roles in human systems. Aphorism 6.4 says strategic it is for it shows you what not to do. So there. So even though it doesn't matter what your your heart value is, or how emotional you may get about something, um, there's going to be a clear path that you need to take. It's almost like <laughs> it's almost like in my case, um, I went to college uh, and I my major was English. Um, I don't necessarily recommend that, but <laughs> personally, but um, you know, I went to college and I was like, Oh, I'm going to declare English. Cause I love English. I love, I love reading. I love writing. I love analyzing literature. Um, but when it came time to, okay, I need to pick a job or I need to pick something that is going to put food on the table. It was like, well, obviously I want to pick a job that's going to be, you know, a marriage to my abilities, and my love for English in some way, there has to be a clear goal (laughs) that needs to be executed, that is providing uh, some kind of value to someone else or some other organization. And hence, that's why I ended up in teaching, because it brought a, you know, I I could essentially do both. But (laughs) Um, it, it, yeah, that, that's ahead. a,
1: yeah, that's a, that's a really good example, right? You have to get it to a point where it's not about you anymore. And that's one thing. That's one of the big traps in this values inquiry. People will start saying things that on the face of it sound very good, but actually are just amplifying your ego. So, okay, what's important to you? Oh, it's integrity. Oh, I like working with good people. So it's all about me, 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 but what are you going to do for other people? That's what this conversation is about, right? So you're teaching is you're giving something of value of perceived value to others right or if you're i know you're an author as well so you're writing and creating something of value to others that's what the head value is about okay yeah and that, so, that's uh, very yeah. very important
0: yeah. very important to, uh to know because like like you keep saying like it it's going it's going to manifest itself in the outside world it's going to bring something to others so test number three has uh, talks about validity of narratives. Um, and it's talking about how every individual will have their own style of presenting it. What is important is to verify that your narrative rings true. You should have a deep stirring within, the, within that connects you to your wholeness, a sense of completion, a sense of this is me. It should be an unmistakable feeling. This narrative is the executive summary of what's important in your work, and only you can attest to its validity. So it's something that you are going to know without a doubt. And aphorism 6.5 and 6.6 says, is the trifecta of head, heart, habit, you? That knowing is what makes it valid. And so it all comes together in the end. Um, talking about the, you know, your heart value. Yes, you do have that emotional component, um, but is it also something that you find yourself uh, going back to um, constantly? And also, is there some kind of value that is manifesting itself in the outside world? Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about the trifecta of the head, heart, habit um, that? That, yeah it's it's
1: like when you see it it's like oh my god this is me this is if this is done, these are the three things i care about validity comes from the fact that there's nothing more to be said about what matters to you in your work in, in the work that you're here to do and, and i'm not talking about work environments about people and not having politics i'm not talking about any of that i'm talking about what should the work that you you present to the world be known for, and if these three things are known, is there anything more that you really need to say? This is kind of the executive summary of your soul, in a sense, of your work soul. Right?
0: Think of it that way. Right, right, and and you so you might, so now that uh, people have gotten it all together, they may be wondering, you know, what do they what do they kind of do with this? Um, I'm not going to dive too deeply into them, but uh, one way is that you can reintroduce yourselves in a couple, reintroduce yourself in a couple of ways. Uh, For example, you know, you can discuss, you can use that trifecta of uh, heart habit and head um, in order to, you know, tell people what your superpower is. Like for example, um, on LinkedIn or in a, uh, within a resume or a cover letter Um, you have some examples in the book, um, kind of, it's almost like that is one good way of uh, using the head value as well, because you are putting yourself out there, uh, in the outside world, um, by reintroducing yourself in those manners. And so once we start getting more into the head, we wonder, you know, what are the outcomes of this? Um. And uh, on the bottom of 194, it says, um, a great decision is one that is consistent with the decision maker's values. In fact, they're not just consistent. They're actually creative expressions of their values. Hmm. So is that is that kind of going back to um, a good decision is not uh, based on the outcomes. Like we're kind of going back to what we discussed like way earlier in this book. Is that Absolutely. Um, what it's talking yeah. about? Absolutely. You, you, you hit the nail on the head. See,
1: it's, you know, how do we learn? We, we say, oh, if you did A and you got to B, that linear pathway, then A must be good for me to do, right? And we broke that. We challenged that causal narrative in chapter uh two, I believe, right, we said, hey, that that causal narrative is something we should question very, very deeply because causality is above Baba pay grade. And so we are deepening that cut and saying, well, if that's true, why are you looking for the great outcomes? And, and by the way, the great outcomes are there. OK, and but they're not what you think. So so when John was interviewing and uh, you know, this is a person I know very well, Good friend of mine, and he wrote he wrote his introduction in this way. Up until this point, when he was interviewing in jobs, it it uh, interviewing four jobs, it, it was a very performative experience. It's like somebody has an expectation, let me see if I can match that. Whereas now the conversation is really about, hey, this is who I am, this is why I think who I am makes sense for this particular role. And so when he this was the first time when he when he got selected for this role, he didn't have anxiety. And and even when he did, it was very easy to resolve it, saying, Look, they hired you. They knew exactly what you're bring to the table, faults and everything, because you you've shared what matters to you. Now, if it doesn't work out, we can all accept, okay, you know, we tried, you know, for whatever reasons you won't understand, it didn't work out. But they're not signing up for a fake version of you. They're not signing up for an image. They're signing up for who you believe is truly you. And that counts for something. So in my book, that's a great outcome. In in other people's books, I was like, okay, well, did he last in the job? What happened? Well, who knows? There's so many variables at play there. It's not interesting to me. And I don't want us to get distracted with that. My, my job is to make sure I'm making great decisions. And in so far as other people are uh asking me for counsel that they are making great decisions in their life and and i think it's a heck of a decision to to find work and to find jobs or careers that are that are lining up with who you truly are and now whether whether you crash and burn after that who knows but but it's still a great decision you've got to try and
0: see where it takes you Right, and, and and that's like part of the adventure. Um, you know, that's yep. part of the adventure that, that you're that people are embarking on. Uh and it says a uh, top of one ninety five, and if you have already mustered the courage to face yourself and live a life that is consistent with your own deepest values along the lines of our inquiry here, you're my hero too. I'll never need to see your bank balance or someone else's validation to offer you my respect. Oh, and did you notice, no one knows the name of the virtuous butcher. The only result that matters here is clarity on value. And he and all the real-life examples in this book achieved that. Um, a, aphorism 6.7 says, clarity on your values is the reward, not the outcomes that follow. Um, for example, they might ask, you know, what if I can't respect my head, head value? Um, says, sometimes because of the blows life has sent our way, we get cynical and lose our idealism. We become worn out and wary of being used by others for narrow agendas. However, through the work that um, people have done in this book, even though it may be uh, difficult to find one's head value, if they are following the principles and the tests that you outlined, that shouldn't be a huge um, issue. It should manifest itself in a positive manner that makes them feel like this is me. Um, and so, so that's, that's very important. Um, so do you have uh, anything to say to people that might be concerned about their, about their head value uh, manifesting its way in a negative way? Is that, is that possible? Or would you yeah. say that's not even their head value?
1: No, so. no, it, it is very much possible. Uh, but it simply means that it's, it's come time for you to create your own professional distinction. So for instance, there's a story of Jane, who just couldn't connect with the idea of marketing, marketing, even though her skill set was very much in that space. And, and so we realized that she wants to help other people communicate better. But marketing is no longer the space where she can inhabit, where she can do her life's work. So she ended up creating a new distinction, which is what she called sacred communication services. Now that's a that's gonna limit the, the, the flow of people who come to her, but those who do will be intrigued by that distinction and say, hey, I want to learn more. What is this? And and she she feels it's very sacred too to help people communicate who they truly are when they're doing something really inspiring. And and she wants to attract that kind of community to serve with her gifts. So, So you may have found that there is a new professional distinction that you need to create because the existing ones the world has offered you are not big enough to hold you. And so you need to create your own shell.
0: So, and, that, and, that, and that
1: right. Yeah, that could
0: that could be scary. It could definitely be scary. But uh, yeah. But um, you know, aphorism six point nine says, "Fight the ways of the world not with your stones, but with your idealism." As I, it might be scary, it might it might you know take some some time, but that's okay. You know, uh, like even for example, even going into the next section where it says, "What if I couldn't find my head value?" Uh, You say, if you are struggling to find your head value, I suggest giving yourself time to explore and learn and get back to this mapping later. For what it's worth, my dialogue with John has occurred over five years, and our initial mapping showed the head value as complex structures. He was fascinated by complex structures and loved studying them. That distinction evolved and became human systems, which is far more on point for him. It could evolve further. But such evolutions are slow and take work. And I, I think that's very important to, for people to know. It says, uh, aphorism 6.10 says, in a hurry, don't be, let the head value ripen like all things soaked in time. And, I, and, and you know, even in my case, it kind of goes again with, you know, the ego started out with the whole college and, you know, just declaring an English major. Eventually, I had to decide how to bring that out into the world, became a teacher but even that had to be refined where it was like you know teaching is great but what my what i really love is the literature itself that's the whole reason why i declared english as a major and so even though teaching was fantastic it wasn't giving me everything i needed and eventually i dove into publishing i dove into marketing books i dove into a field in which i could essentially uh, <laughs> like bathe in, in literature, bathe in reading books. And yeah, so before I get into the questions for reflection, is there anything else that you would like to say to our listening audience concerning this chapter on the head, Valley? All I'll say is this
1: is the most important value to find once you've found your heart and habit. In fact, your life depends on it, <laughs> right? How it unfolds are you going to be a creator or are you going to just let yourself be tossed by the waves? And if you are going to create with a lot of joy, what home are you going to build? And the world is waiting for your answer.
0: Mm, I love that. That's very inspirational. I love that. Um, And so to, uh, to cap it off, the questions for reflection are the following. Number one, in your journaling practice or dialogue with trusted friends, What head value is emergent for you? Number two, how was your experience of this inquiry from the lens of the principles or the tests? For each principle and test, write what emerged and use that to inquire deeper. Number three, how much guiding power does your head value have? What alternatives emerge for you in decision situations when you bring that value front and center? Number four, What opens up for you when you think of using the head value as a container for the heart value to express itself and for the habit value to show up as a superpower? Number five, what strategic power does your head value hold for important decisions in front of you? Number six, what narrative around your values can you now write that is entirely authentic and wholesome? And with that being said, those were the questions for reflection. That wraps up this chapter. And please come with us next time as we dive into chapter seven, The Three Goddess Braid. Thank you for listening.